0: You can tell me I am not going to do something. You can tell me I am not going to be something. And I'm going to do everything in my power to work my balls off to make that happen.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am still trying to recover from the madness that was Clash at the Castle. We're going to take a deep dive into everything that went down this past Saturday. Cardiff, Wales. So much to get to. So much to talk about from Raw. Coming this way on Friday Night SmackDown. Of course, I cannot take this journey on my own. He is the Otto Tower to my Viserys. House of the Dragon for you. He's the voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's
2: the word, my friend? You know, it has been a busy week for all of us. It's been a very historical weekend, so to speak, for the WWE over this Labor Day holiday leading into this weekend. And I will say, you sound a little hoarse, man. Well, you try
1: screaming over 62,000 members of the WWE universe in a stadium that was vibrating with energy, from about 40 minutes before the show started until after the main event. Dude, this was the most fun I have had doing my job in quite some time. And I have only one, I would have to say, I, I almost had one person to thank, but one element, I think, to thank, and that is those UK fans. You, of course, spend a lot of time doing the NXT UK thing. I cut my teeth in this business in the UK particularly England for the most part. But I got to understand the passion that these fans possess. And we hear about it. You read about it online. People have been clamoring for a major event. And boy, we, we threw the kitchen sink at you Saturday. Clash at the Castle. We talked about it last week, the matches. We were looking forward to the entire event, from my perspective, delivered in a big way.
2: It certainly did. I obviously was sitting at home in my house watching it. And a couple of things stood out to me. One. The match matches got time. They got to tell stories. They were fun. It was a roller coaster of a show to me to sit back and to cheer and to boo and to get up on my feet. But the UK audience to me, I never went to Europe as a child or as a teen. I didn't go to Europe for the first time I went over there with the WWE. I didn't get to spend time there like you did. I've done Royal Albert Hall with NXT UK. I've gone all over Europe and Glasgow and specifically Cardiff. I don't know what it is. It's hard to put it on, put one thing on the audience that's there. They just sit back and they enjoy it. And I think there's so much to be said about that. Just sitting back and loving what they're watching.
1: And they interact and they let you know how they feel. And they, they don't necessarily, they didn't adhere to the status quo as far as maybe where the characters are.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
4: See website for details.
1: What stands out to me was Bailey. Yeah, they just want to have fun, man. Bailey made her entrance, and the entire stadium was singing the little jingle that they made when they would sing the Bailey Ooh. in NXT. <sighs> yeah, exactly. They they remember they were passionate, they were waiting to play. And that's what it was. It was like a celebration. And you know, we follow enough online, and the UK fans are vocal enough. And particularly the night after WrestleMania, you always hear. When are we going to get a big show? When are we going to get a pay-per-view? When are we going to get WrestleMania? Here's your headline for the week. In the opinion of Corey Graves and many other people who were backstage, who were around the stadium in Cardiff, you guys have been clamoring for WrestleMania. I'd say you made a pretty strong case for yourselves to get one in the near future.
2: It's hard to argue.
1: I don't know this. I have no control over it. But my God, every man and woman that was on the show Saturday, From the the ring announcer, Samantha Irvin, walking to the ringside until the end of the night when Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre are singing in the ring. It felt like a party. It was the perfect length. I felt like it was six matches. They all had meaning. They all had stakes. They all had consequence. They all had time, to your point. By the end of it, I left the stadium feeling satisfied. I got my sports entertainment fix that I want from from, who the hell
2: am I talking to today?
1: uh, Listen, I'm not talking about the status quo of everything. Like I'm never satisfied. I'm talking about the fan in me that you, you and I talk all the time. It struggles to come out from time to time. This is a job, right? It's the coolest job in the world. I love the job, but like any job, it's a grind. You see the same things. You tell a lot of the same stories. Things have been moving in such a, a, a positive direction recently, and I felt like the first major tent pole was Clash at the Castle. The changes all occurred right before SummerSlam, but as we mentioned even back then, weeks ago, it's going to take some time to grow. It's going to take some time to evolve. All of the pieces need to fall in place, and some pieces are going to fit better in different spots than they did six months ago. It's a work in progress, and it will continue to be, but to me, it felt very complete. I left, I got on the bus at Principality Stadium, and we had about a two-hour drive back to, to London afterwards, and everybody was in a good mood. Everybody felt satisfied, save for Drew McIntyre, who was in the back of the bus in a heap because he had had the living hell beaten out of him by Roman Reigns. But even Drew was in great spirits, feeling like as a team, we all accomplished
2: something. You know that feeling? You, you've had it. You've had it at, at takeovers. you have had, it, in had UK. it over there. You, right. I had it Sunday at Worlds Collide. You walk through and Shawn Michaels there giving you a hug. You're like, oh, we did something pretty cool today. Exactly. And even today on this show,
1: we have had such a habit recently and almost out of necessity, you almost don't get to bask in the afterglow of anything because it's always on to the next, on to the next. What happened? Okay, this was cool, but let's talk about what's happening next week. Oh, this is right around the corner. Forward, forward, forward. This was the first event in a long time where I felt like, oh, you know what? Let's just sit in this for a minute. Let's just enjoy it. And everybody was exhausted. We all flew back from Cardiff to Kansas City for Monday Night Raw. And it wasn't the, I don't want to say usual, but the familiar feeling of everybody kind of running on empty. everybody sort of on autopilot, just getting through the day. Look, we know how to do this. We're going to give them a good show, but let's all get through this. Monday, everyone was kind of like, what do we do now? Now, where do we take this? How do we build off of this? It was a very inspired vibe backstage. And again, I mean, hats off to our crew, the guys, the unsung heroes of this game. And we we give them love from time to time. But there were a lot of people who did not appear on your screen Saturday who flew to Cardiff maybe last Wednesday, maybe last Thursday. Maybe they'd been over there for a week and they jumped on the same flights we did across the Atlantic back to Kansas City. And I just it's been a while since I felt that vibe. And it was really, really enjoyable. And
2: I think a lot of people would agree. I actually want to give a shout out to Jason and his crew because there was a point in time when I'm watching the show and I'm like, is that a a graphic up in the middle? And I go, holy crap, that's the board. They just built a castle on the board. And I was like, there's no way. I kept watching that during the kickoff show going, is that one of those 3D images that we see or did they actually build something? And what the heck? I thought so too. How cool, man. I mean, it was was WrestleMania-esque. I'd seen the rehearsal monitors when I'd first
1: got to the stadium and you saw, you know, the, the, the static shot of the ring and there's this castle just kind of looming above the ring. And then I walked out of the entranceway for the first time it, it, to walk into the, the stadium was through the, the main entrance. And I looked up and saw this massive digital castle hanging above the ring and it was a scoreboard and it was functional and all the videos played on throughout the night. But like, how cool was that just it's to have the castle? Oh, by the way, I wasn't aware my European geography is not strong. I didn't realize the castle is literally right next door to the
2: stadium. An actual castle, Vic. You've been to Cardiff. I'd never, to my knowledge, been there. I actually posted a picture at the castle when I went to Cardiff. Did you not get to explore anything? Listen,
1: I had a nightmare travel experience, as I seem to each and every week. And I'm not going to bore you with the details. But... Long story short, I arrived in Cardiff approximately 12 hours later than I was expected to. And as I pulled up to the hotel in Cardiff, Wales, in city center or whatever it's referred to, uh, I am not exaggerating. And I think we mentioned it on either the kickoff or the main premium live event. Every other person on the street in Cardiff had a WWE shirt on. Damn. I I thought to myself as the car is pulling up, oh my God, I didn't realize the castle is right there. I looked at the line waiting just to take the tour of the castle. This is the night before clash at the castle. Every other person had a WWE Roman Reigns shirt or a Stone Cold shirt or a SummerSlam 92 t-shirts. I swear to God, these people have been waiting for years for this event. And, and it, you've, you also experienced WrestleMania. Yep. When we take over a city for WrestleMania, there's no question what's happening. You don't land in an airport and see Roman reigns face and have to go, Hmm, I wonder what that's all about. You know, WrestleMania is in them. That's how clash the castle. felt. It's plastered,
2: plastered through whatever city. We're every
1: in. bus station, every light post had a, a flag with a, a different superstar on it. And Again, I think the main takeaway is they've been begging. They have been pleading for 30 years for something of this magnitude, and the U.K. showed up. I guarantee you they weren't all from Cardiff, Wales, but wherever they came from, man, they came, and they came to play. Conversely, we've been in stadiums where the sound, maybe the sound shoots out the top of the stadium. You can't necessarily feel that tangible energy. But having the roof on Principality Stadium, man, that was an awesome building. And it just was the perfect atmosphere. That building could hold WrestleMania without a doubt in my mind. I don't know if the city has the infrastructure to to withhold people coming from all corners of the globe. But I'm going to say this. It would be a huge, huge, massive, glaring mistake on the part of WWE from a business perspective if we do not at least semi-regularly start putting on these massive events for the passionate UK fans. And maybe it's once a year. Maybe it's every other year. Maybe it's a stadium every three years. I don't know because I don't want to bastardize it because sometimes when something's good, we try to force it to you and keep feeding it to you until you're the point, I don't want that anymore. That's okay, we're good. You got to keep it special. WrestleMania only happens once a year and people come from all over the world. But I truly believe, based off of the 30 hours or whatever I spent in Wales, that the UK is definitely ready and, above all, deserving of either a WrestleMania or at least a regular premium live event in a massive
2: capacity like we had this past week. Uh, You're not going to get an argument out of me. Certainly doesn't need to wait 30 more years for that to happen. But you, you talk about the dome being on and the sound. And and feeling the vibration, I want to get into a match with you if you, if, if we have the second and the time to do it, Seamus, Günther for the Intercontinental Championship because I sat there with every knife edge chop, with every boot, with every everything, and all I heard was the brutality ringing in my ears. It was difficult to watch
1: as a guy who has been in the <laughs> ring. Oh, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I mean that in, in the best possible way. I've never been in the ring with Gunther. I believe I've rolled around and trained with Seamus back in the FCW days or the early days of NXT. Uh, Seamus was around quite a bit. He was actually in the ring when I uh, won the NXT Tag Team Championships many years back with Neville. Uh, so I, I have a bit of a bit of a, a better relationship with Seamus, but to be there feet from these two human beings, trying to disintegrate one another with their physicality. It was a spectacle and it wasn't fancy. There were no interesting Luke de Lu reversals. It was two big, bad, mean sons of bitches fighting their hearts out in front of their countrymen. And we talked about it last week how we expected the volume to be cranked to 11 from the performers' aspect. Gunther brought it, Sheamus brought it. The ovation afterward for Sheamus was awesome. We showed Just it on Monday do. Night Raw. Because it was special, because people are finally, finally giving Seamus his flowers at this stage in his career. And after everything that Seamus has accomplished, to still have another goal, that being the Intercontinental Championship, but to tear it down in that atmosphere and to get up battered, not necessarily defeated, but battered, and to have 62,000 plus applauding and cheering for the Celtic Warrior. Because he did what he said he was going to do. He came out and delivered another banger.
2: Yeah, that was the match I said last week that I was most looking forward to. It delivered. You know, you know, Seamus more than I do. I've been with Gunther since his arrival in NXT UK to go back to visiting Europe all the time. And we knew what we were going to get. Very rarely do you and I have a conversation on this in a text, on a phone call where we go, man, that match is the one we're looking for. And it exceeds expectations. It meets what we thought it was going to get. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But this one kicked the roof off. To use a pun that you used earlier, this exceeded everything I thought. The welts, the brutality. You could actually feel the emotion from both of those guys coming through your screen. That is a rarity. And I'm being dead honest. It's interesting how we talk a
1: lot, and we as fans, as the WWE Universe collectively, know that when Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are in the same ring, they're going to beat the piss out of each other. That's, a, that's It goes without saying. You just assume that. Now, having witnessed the brutality of Gunther and Sheamus, that thing right now, that rematch, is just sitting there, waiting, in case of emergency, break glass. Break the glass. Because those <laughs> two... Right you can roll them out in any scenario on raw on smackdown at wrestlemania keep it special don't again don't bastardize it i don't want to see it 6 times a year i want to see it maybe once a year for the next couple of years or every 6 months and let the people salivate and anticipate because now you know it has been proven that when it comes to brutality gunther and sheamus are, are unmatched which now opens up the door to a whole new litany of possibilities what would happen With Gunther and Drew McIntyre.
5: Oof. It's
1: more brutal. Think about that. Because you know what Drew does with Sheamus. Why wouldn't Drew bring that with Gunther? What about uh, Roman Reigns with any of these heavy hitters? What about, it just opens up the possibility to truly exciting, throwback, old school, nothing fancy, the basis of sports entertainment. It's a battle for supremacy. Two badasses fighting
2: over a goal, over a common goal. You know what else interests me about that matchup too, and I'm just thinking about it hearing you talk, is Sheamus took himself, in, in my opinion, to another level, which is crazy to think about for someone who's done everything. I was going to say, he's already a first ballot industry, Hall of Famer. Right, and, and he, he even added more because, as you said, he's finally getting those flowers. But what Sheamus did in defeat was also made Gunther such a bigger star. To me, sitting here talking to you like, damn, that guy just went toe-to-toe with Seamus, and he's walking out victorious. And then Seamus, to see him get that standing ovation from near 63,000, the guy put it out a few weeks ago on social media. All I do is deliver banger after banger after banger, and you can't deny it. You just can't anymore because he can do it with the new day or make you laugh. And then two weeks later, he can just beat the holy hell out of somebody and make you like, wow. That guy's actually really could kick my ass if he saw me in the street. He can make you love him, and he can make you hate him. Seamus may go to me is going to get that love in a few years, where they go X amount of years of Seamus, and he comes back to a, an ovation wherever he may be. We're going to be selling Seamus's career once he decides to hang up the boots.
1: No argument for me there. I think Seamus wanted to go off on a rant for
2: a second. Uh, Sorry. There you go. You had that.
1: It was it was worth it, man. I mean, there the card was so stacked. Us telling you about it isn't necessarily going to do any better than you logging into Peacock, checking it out. It is worth your time if for some reason you missed it. Maybe you had something going on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it is worth checking out Clash at the Castle. Not only for Sheamus and Gunther, Riddle and Rollins delivered. And the thing I loved about that is you have two of the best technicians in the game, right? They, this is a stark contrast. Gunther and Sheamus punched and kicked and chopped and battered one another for the duration of their matchup. Told a story. It was beautiful, easy to understand. Riddle and Rollins gave you the spectacle, gave you phenomenal maneuvers, tremendous reversals, all of the different aspects, but still told the story that Rollins has outsmarted Riddle and is causing the unraveling of Matt Riddle. The story, the emotion was never lost so that you could do moves and do fun, crazy things. It was all about the story. That story is far from completed. And Drew and, and Roman Reigns in the main event, man, if that wasn't the perfect storm, you got to feel, you couldn't not feel disappointed for Drew McIntyre, not being able to get the job done with the arrival of solo Sokoa, which is somebody I'm sure we'll be talking about in the weeks to come a great deal joining the bloodline officially, uh, man, what, what a night. And then after the insane travel back across the Atlantic, we get back to Monday night, Raw, and I'm thinking, man, we've seen everything. Two nights ago in Cardiff, we saw everything. And then we start the night off relatively soon with another shocking, massive surprise. And I use massive quite literally. The monster among men, Braun Strowman, returning to WWE on Monday Night Raw, running roughshod over everyone in the tag team match, which I was genuinely excited to watch. But when Strowman's roar echoed throughout the arena in Kansas City, everyone was up on their feet. He looks amazing. Yeah, he He does. Somehow Faster than he was before he leaned out. It's all lean muscle, but Stroman looked bigger and badder than he ever has before. He's motivated. He's fired up. And it makes me wonder, we're talking about Drew McIntyre, who just, we documented his journey a lot this past weekend at clash at the castle from his early run in WWE to maybe not being ready for the spotlight, the way he thought he was, and then being released and finding himself and coming back as a better, more complete version of himself. Could we have that on our hands with Braun Strowman? I mean, granted, Braun wasn't gone as long as Drew McIntyre, but could Braun have had time to sit at home and think, man, that's where I need to be. That's where I belong, and I'm going to come back with a better version of myself. I mean, this is a guy who's already a universal champion. Braun Strowman beat Goldberg at WrestleMania for the universal title. It's not like he's just some run-of-the-mill superstar. But Braun now has an opportunity to rewrite his own history the way he wants it. And I have a feeling based on the short interaction I had with him after raw, that he is more ready now than he was years back when he arrived on the scene and probably more redder
2: now than he was a year ago when he got released. I think that's a great point because I think you both, you and I can both look at things that have happened in our life, you know, as as just being completely honest of sometimes you think you're ready and you're just not. And it, you have to take that step back to take that two steps forward. And, and I agree with you. And, I, and I, I love the Drew, you know, analogy that's used in the comparison because was he ready necessarily physically, uh, storyline wise? Yeah, sure. But mentally, emotionally, where he was, was he ready for that moment? I don't know. I don't know him that well. But I do believe that everyone takes a step back to take two steps forward. And, and I agree with you hundred percent on Braun, hundred percent.
1: There's a reason right now why roman reigns is the kingpin of this game because not everybody can be and i don't mean that from a not everyone can be champion there's not enough titles to go around i mean the actual work we talked to drew mcintyre who was the challenger for this event last week and drew read his schedule when you're the guy that's your schedule 52 weeks a year that's your schedule for as long as you hold the gold Savor an occasional you know week off where you don't have any media that all of a sudden becomes the responsibility of the champion. And if you are not prepared, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that Drew is mentally and physically prepared for that toll had he captured the title this past Saturday. I agree. There aren't a lot of guys that can do that. There aren't a lot of guys, and that doesn't, and I don't mean this is an insult. I'm not saying that people can't grow into it, and, and will, obviously, they have to be. The, the nature of the business depends on it. But being the guy comes with a level of responsibility that until you wear that gold, I don't think anybody can truly fathom myself included. Yeah. That's why I was to say the same thing. You were-, we're, okay. we're busy guys. And you and I are complaining because we have to take different flight to fly back from the UK to Chicago, to Kansas city. I got to fly to Seattle and then I got to fly back to Pittsburgh. And then I got to go back to Portland. We complain about that. That's, that's, and that's busy by human being standards. But to be the guy, the face of this game, because you're not just the face of WWE, you're the face of the industry when you are the top guy in WWE. You have to have mighty broad shoulders to have all that responsibility. Braun tasted it for a cup of coffee, but maybe Braun wasn't ready mentally to be the guy, to be the monster among men 365 days a year, 24 7. Maybe now he is. And now you've got another big, Heavy hitter, main eventer in the mix. Whether he stays on Monday Night Raw, we know for a fact he's going to show up tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. What does the future hold for Braun Strowman? I don't know. But to me, it just continues to add to the healthy nature and the growth, the positive growth that this place has been experiencing over the past several months.
2: Yeah, we sit here sometimes before we even get on the air and we just look at each other and go, hey man, how you feel? Like, oh, I'm just a little tired this morning. I have to have my coffee. And we don't get the Different questions, every single media appearance and 15 things you got to do here and there. And and that's a great point you bring about Braun. But you also talk about, you know, the healthy nature of the industry, of the business. And Braun Strowman returning on Raw. Again, you mentioned he'll be on SmackDown. Another superstar who recently returned on Monday Night Raw is our guest here today, he is Johnny Gargano. Well, let's just all be honest here. very open and honest on this show in graves you've always had on guys like Seth Rollins, who you've been close to, you came up with. And today we have one of my very best friends joining us, Johnny Gargano. Johnny, I'm going to start with the nine months you were away. Why was it important for you to sit back and be honest with the fans? Hi, Vic. First of all, how are yeah, you? I, we don't need to exchange pleasantries. And also,
1: Vic, I came up with Gargano more than you and Gargano. Did it is true. He and I were wrestling 15 whoa, whoa. years ago in,
0: in Cleveland. True. Well, then let's relive those days right now. We've known each other longer. I believe. When did we meet, Vic? Two thousand and oh nine, oh eight, oh nine. Oh my God! I might have wrestled. I might have wrestled Corey before that. Honestly, yeah, definitely. I got. I,
1: I got signed in twenty eleven. So oh, yeah, then we was, definitely did. Oh, yeah. so what do you guys wrestled like
0: oh six? I mean, it might have been.
1: Yeah, Turner's Hall between J.T. Lightning and John Thorne, I mean, they were basically like you know the staples of the Cleveland independent scene. Shout
2: out. Are to we going to talk guys. about Cleveland all pro now? Because we can roll right into that if you want. No, Vic, we want to let Johnny answer the question. Okay, well, then why I just threw- this is why I now know why you think it's annoying when I do it to you. See? I forgot what I was going to ask. Yeah. Why well, was it important to stay honest with the fans?
0: I feel like I have a certain relationship with fans. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm somewhat relatable, but also I just didn't want anyone to get their hopes up or to think something was going to happen if it wasn't, or if I was going to show up here or not, Uh, But it was also super fun in my time off to where I would just be brutally honest with people, but they would kind of take that and that would take on a life of itself. And they'd say, like, Johnny's going to be here. Johnny's going to be there. Johnny's going to show up everywhere. Uh, But for me, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool just to be able to be brutally honest with people and have their imaginations run wild. That's the beauty of what we do, right? That's the fun of what we do is the uncertainty of what's going to happen next.
2: That's one of the things Graves loves to do is fire up the internet. That's one of the best things we get to do here on ATV. So. <laughs> Not me. I've changed my ways. Johnny, Johnny, you found yourself in
1: a bit of a unique situation, uh, comparatively speaking to a lot of superstars these days, where you honored your contractual obligation in NXT. You had a great yeah. deal of success there. And you just decided that maybe that wasn't right for you at that point in time. Talk to me a little bit about what was going on when you made the decision to let your contract expire versus re-signing because as somebody who's worked on the Indies for 15 plus years at this point, uh, to to our previous conversation, you had the dream in your fingertips. You lived the dream, but you were able to find yourself uh, enough peace, for lack of a better term, to sort of reevaluate the
0: situation. Walk me through those last few months. Yeah, so I feel like I kind of made a decision that I was going to let my contract expire maybe a year before that, honestly. Oh, really? Uh, So it had nothing to do with anything going on currently at the time. Um, It just, it felt like to me, I was fulfilled with everything I did in NXT. And I'm very much so a person that, wants to enjoy the place he's working. And I love NXT. That's why I was there for so long. Like, make no mistake about it. You could ask anyone you want. Like it was my choice to be an NXT for that long, just because I genuinely loved everyone I was working with. I, I love the writers. I love the locker room. I love the, uh, the office. Like I had great relationship with everybody. So, but there was also another side of it to where, what more can I accomplish there? You know, uh, I, I've always had this chip on my shoulder underdog mentality where I'm always trying to search and find out what can I do next. I'm always trying to do the things that people tell me I can't do. And that was my whole NXT run. And I did everything there was to do in NXT. So I'm always someone who's looking for that next mountain to climb. And for me, I think after that, after I did everything in NXT, it was kind of one of those things where like, okay, like, do I go to Raw or SmackDown? Like, I don't know if I want to do that in that current climate of my life. I was like, I don't know if I want to go there yet. Uh, so I was okay letting my contract expire and kind of seeing what else is out there uh for lack of a better term, but also like when the time came, I think everything happens for a reason, obviously uh, Candace got pregnant, and when Candace got pregnant, that kind of solidified my decision to where. If I was 50-50 going into my contract being expired when Candace got pregnant and we found out the timetable of everything, how baby was going to be born in February, uh, my contract was going to expire in December, I kind of decided like, okay, I have a rare opportunity now to let my contract expire and to also be able to just sit at home and enjoy the first couple months of fatherhood that, you know, I wouldn't have got a chance to any other way. So, like I said, I think everything happens for a reason. And there was no one thing that made my decision, but it was just a, an amount of different things. And also, you know, the baby, which is a big thing that made me decide.
2: And you talk about the baby, you know, we're all dads here. And sometimes when you, you get home and you see your child, you, you don't want to leave and you don't want to be away from home. Were you content at any point of, Hey, you know what? I've done everything I wanted to do. I'm okay. And step away permanently.
0: Yes and no. Uh, Like, I was, I gave myself kind of a year. When I left in December, I kind of said, okay, I am content being gone December. I think December 7th might have been my last NXT show. December 7th to December whatever, to to December or January. I was okay taking off a full year, letting my body rest, letting my body recover, but also letting my mind recover and also re-energizing myself I've done this for almost 18 years at this point, and I've been very lucky. I haven't had any major injuries. I haven't had any major time off, knock on wood, uh, somewhere. So I haven't had any downtime. So for me, and as you guys know, there is no off-season in what we do. So we're just going consistently, especially when before I even got here on the Indies. I was going pretty hard every single weekend, multiple shows, double shots, like wrestling – multiple times a weekend, staying in shape, doing all this stuff like that. It just, it mentally wears on you. And especially in this current day and age with social media and things like that, that get in your head and the, the, the mental health problems we all kind of got to go through. I was just totally fine taking this year, spending it with my baby and being a stay-at-home dad, working on my dad bod, which I did, working on my dad bod, getting ready to go, and just, you know, like, being happy. I I was totally fine with that, with wrestling not being in my life. Um, I don't know if there's any point where I decided, like, maybe I won't come back. Obviously, it crossed my mind a few times when I'm staying at home, and I'm able to do whatever I want, and I don't have anyone to answer to, anywhere to go. I wake up in my own bed every single day. I work out in my own gym. I hang out with my kid. It's a great life, but I always... So, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story, and this is a How my mind works, apparently. So you guys have seen Stranger Things, obviously, right? Of course, yeah. Okay, so the song, Running Up That Hill, uh, by Kate Bush, became very popular. And so I was watching, I might have texted you at this time, Vic, I can't remember. Uh, This is when I knew what I wanted to do. I was watching Stranger Things, and the song came on, and the first thing that popped into my head was, wait a minute, that's Sean versus The Undertaker song from WrestleMania. Placebo did a cover of it. Yeah, uh, But that's where my mind went. And I was like, I remember that. That's right, right? And I watched the hype video for Sean and Taker from Mania. And I sat there in the kitchen. You Candice was right there. She can tell you this. I sat there in the kitchen. I watched this hype video as she's doing baby stuff. And it just hit me watching this video. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want, this is where I want to be. And this is what I want to do. This is why I got into this like to have videos like this about me, but also to like have these WrestleMania stories and matches. And I haven't had that yet. I haven't had that WrestleMania moment. I haven't had that WrestleMania match. So in a roundabout way, Stranger Things (laughs) playing that song and me correlating it to Sean versus Taker from Mania, which led me watching the Muse video again in my kitchen led me being like, that's what I want to do. I want to wrestle at WrestleMania. So that's, that's a long-winded story about how we end up where we are.
4: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
1: I'm going to put you on the spot while you were away, while you were enjoying yourself, but you obviously, by your own admission, didn't think you were ready to be done. How close did you come to
0: heading somewhere else in the wrestling business? Uh, obviously, it, it crossed my mind. But I was at the point, too, where I wasn't ready to come back yet, you know? I was enjoying myself. Like, obviously, I have people that work around me that go out and they they talk to other places. And I have people, I have luckily I have a great team around me that <laughs> makes stuff happen for me that had those discussions so I don't have to. Because that was a, a big thing, too, while I was gone. I was very focused on being a dad and letting all the business stuff be handled by other people, you know? I and I think I'm envious. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool that I promotions kind of respected that and promotions kind of said like, OK, we're going to leave Johnny alone, but we'll talk to his people about what can potentially happen. Uh, I'm lucky to be in that spot. And it's really weird to say stuff like that, given, you know, I, I'm from the indies where I do everything myself. But it, it, it's just cool diy was a lie <laughs> you have people <laughs> <laughs> graves <laughs> blown up the spot nobody exposed so johnny gargano <laughs> the back of the shirt says nobody will do it for you unless unless they do i mean that's that's the other thing <laughs> unless they do but i mean still but i mean yeah obviously it crossed my mind because you know i i post a video i watch everything i'm a wrestling fan at the end of the day like we're all just wrestling nerds you know so i watch everything but It always just came back down to when I was a little kid, and I said this in my return promo, you know, when I was a little kid, I dreamed of becoming Intercontinental Champion. Uh, I dreamed of becoming WWE Champion. I dreamed of wrestling in WrestleMania. Those things hold so much weight to me because I don't know if, say, 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line, if I I can forgive myself for not trying because I never really tried. I didn't try, you know? I, I did everything on NXT, and I was very... Fulfilled with everything I did in NXT. Very proud of it. But I didn't really try it on that scale yet. I haven't done it. And I want to do it. Not only did he not do it himself, he didn't even try. That's right.
1: Gargano just woke up, found the himself, himself is as, that. <laughs> as NXT champion and North American I champion. I was a, a loser. Decided to walk <laughs> away
2: one day in December and never come back.
0: <laughs> I became a, I did. Trust me. There were times where I was like, I could be a stay at home. Dad, I like can could just go back to work and I could be a stay at home. Dad. That'd be pretty cool. I could just wake up and play with the kid. But then I'm also like, I can't, you know me, Vic, I wouldn't be able to, I'd be pacing around my house like well, we pace every
2: Sunday during Browns football. We don't sit down.
1: I told you no Browns references, Vic. Well, that's one on the board. We one got on a the game board.
0: Sunday. We do have a game in Sunday. In my Brown shed, I that's three.
1: Wait, when to see Baker Mayfield burn it down for Carolina. Oh, my God. I am going to be the biggest Panthers fan in North America <laughs> on Sunday based solely off the two people I'm talking to right now.
2: Oh, I, I will no. say that. I'm a contrarian. I get texts, texts from Graves, and it's either – Knocking me down somehow in a fun way, or it's something about negative Browns, or it's something positive Baker. That's all he texts me about.
0: I told you this, Vic. If Baker goes on and he has, like, an MVP season or, like, a Hall of Fame career, or even, like, is just awesomely successful, it will break all of us. We will be broken for a long time. But Sunday, Vic, when we play him, you just said you have a Baker ball behind you. That is a uh, signed by Baker Mayfield. No, we're not
2: getting into that. you're not gonna bully me into anything because you've done that enough in our life
0: together. No, 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 let's let's talk about this, Vic. There's a you have a Baker Mayfield ball. If okay, paint the picture, Vic. If Baker throws five touchdowns, kills the Browns, what do you do with that ball? What are you gonna do with it? I want to keep it in that case right there. Just like you said, if he has a Hall of Fame career, it goes with my Hall of Fame Brett Favre. Jersey. You wanna donate it to Canton. Okay, what if Browns kill the Panthers? Baker has a horrible game. You burn the ball. Not burning the ball. He used to try to get me
2: to throw a brick through my TV. I had <laughs> I did, a Brown's bad call brick, and he'd go, come I, on, do it. Throw, they
0: threw an interception. Throw it in the TV. Put it through the TV. Put it through the t-. Like, no, I'm not doing that. If it's a bad call brick, you throw the bad call brick at the at the TV. That's no, the that's, rule. That's stupid. Nothing
1: used to entertain me quite like <laughs> the car ride after Raw on a Monday or after a pay-per-view on a Sunday toward Raw when Vic and I would be in the car and he would have his phone queued up and he would rewatch the entire game which a is psychopathic
0: behavior. That is okay, that's a little psychopathic. Yeah. If you didn't if you watched it once, you don't got to watch it again. Right. Watch unless it you're the head
1: coach of a football team, <laughs> unless you're the offensive coordinator Vic, no need to watch it again. But Vic would also take the same emo- emotional journey that he would as though he were watching it live. In the passenger seat, or uh, you know, while driving, all of a sudden I look at the speedometer. We're going 109 miles an hour <laughs> because Baker just threw an interception. Hey, Baker
0: must have threw at a good play when you were going 109 yeah. miles per hour. That's <laughs> absolutely Nick insane. Chubb must have busted off a run. That's what I'd like to imagine is when Nick Chubb busts off a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, Vic just hits that 100 on the speedometer. <laughs> it was a
2: few times Graves had to look over and go, uh, you know, if you get pulled over, Vic, this is a felony. You're going yeah. over 100 miles an hour. But, oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I bet Roger started slowing down a little bit. Oh, Johnny oh, did like to get in the car with me because, A, he didn't have to drive, and, B, we got to where we yeah. needed to go fast.
0: That's the same reason you and I are that friends, That is true. Vic. Any of those That's local right. Florida shows we did for NXT, he cut the drive time down like about, oh, yeah. like 25 minutes. <laughs> Even driving around the the neighborhood, like it's just yeah, it's dangerous. Shoot, 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 shoot,
1: shoot. It is. It's it's very risky. Very risky. Well, while we're we're making fun of uh, Vic for what is cool. awesome. posted on the wall behind him, let's talk about what's going on behind you. I know this is an audio podcast, so it's probably not going to do a whole lot of justice to it. Yeah. But
0: are you seated in the merch closet in Stanford right now? Oh, I, I love the merch closet. By the way, Mer- You've people been don't merch? know about the merch closet. Merch closet's great. A lot of people fantastic. don't know about that. You can go in the merch closet in Stanford. I have a few things
2: I will not have show you done you from their the bit? merch closet. Yeah, I, I actually have
0: uh, posters. So they have a, a merch closet in Stanford where you can just walk in. And for me, it was like the Nickelodeon. It was like the Toys R Us kids run, where like yes, they they gave me just a box and they said just take whatever you want. And it was like I was like really? They're like yep, just fill it up. And I was like okay. So I like just took a bunch of merch. But basically, that's what it is. Is where they really keep all the merchandise, like the licensed merchandise in Stanford. And, you know, you can just go in there and they give you whatever you want. It's great. But I am currently sitting in my office uh, slash toy room. It's Toys R Us. It's Toys R Us. It's built like a Toys R Us. But luckily, my wife is very talented and she does really well with Ikea stuff. So we built like to paint the picture for the people in the audio podcast. uh, We have like pegboards and stuff. So it's stacked where I have action figures that are stacked like pegboards stacked uh, three deep. So it looks like a Toys R Us. It looks like you're shopping at a store. Uh, but I collect multiple different things. I collect, you know, Power Rangers and Marvel stuff and, and old wrestling stuff. And like I said, I'm a nerd. Everyone knows I'm a nerd by now. That's, that's pretty. you have every Hasbro? Yes, I have every single Hasbro action figure. Awesome. Old, old, old. To
1: you got you to gotta take it easy before we end up getting a cease and desist from Broski and Hawkins yeah. <laughs> on this thing, right?
0: <laughs> I, to be fair, while I was gone, I did stuff with them. So that was a fun thing to do while I was uh, away. So it was cool. So little, little
1: little known fact about Old Gravy here is I had uh, amassed quite the wrestling action figure collection, which has now been taken over by my younger brother who has taken it to a whole different level. He's gotten into all the international, the Japanese figures, all his figures from Mexico. But uh, yeah, when I was a kid, there was pretty much only one priority in life, and that was convincing my parents to take me to the Hills Department Store at the bottom of the hill to check for new wrestling figures. That was what we did. My dad would travel, and when he would come home, rather than bringing me, like, merch or a, a hat that said New Orleans he'd be like, oh, I would go to the, the the Toys R Us where I was and try to find different figures. So like when my dad went on business trips, he would come home and usually set them by my bed and I would wake up and there was like a, you know, freshly minted Yokozuna ha- uh, action figure. And uh, yeah, it, I think there's a lot of us that have this same weird addiction. That's
2: awesome. A lot of people don't know about Hills, by the way. Hills is a sneaky department store.
0: Yeah, like I said, when we were in Cleveland, Candace had no idea what a Hills was. So I don't know if like that's... If- Obviously, Hills didn't make it out to California, but Hills Hills was a great store. I I don't know if it exists anymore. It doesn't exist. It hasn't existed for a while. No more Hills. No more Hills. For me, like Hills, Kmart obviously was a big one. KB Toys, Toys R Us, those were all like the 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 four the four mainstays of my childhood that I would go action figure shopping at.
1: And it was usually an exercise in futility because we had had most of the figures by that point. I remember we hadn't found any new ones in a long time, and I remember looking at my mom. And I said, wouldn't I know that Jax had just released the WWE figures, the first line, the Shawn Michaels. And And I walked in that day, and they had them all. And I think my mom kind of like was saying things under her breath because she was now responsible for purchasing the entire line because they had it there. And I was like, but mom, if we don't get it now, we might never get it. It's of (laughs) the utmost importance. There was no internet. You couldn't just get on and like, I mean, mean, there might have been an internet, but
0: you couldn't just order something you didn't find in person. That's my biggest regret. I don't want say biggest regret, but the fact that now having a kid, my kid's not going to know the pain we all went through of, say, going to a toy store and the the toy you want right. not being in stock and not being able to get it for a while. Or even more so, going to a Blockbuster, for yes. those of you who don't know what Blockbuster is, and wanting to rent a video game and the video game not being in stock and having to wait till another human being comes and returns said video game. Our our children, future generations, are not going to know that pain of waiting because anymore, yeah, the next day you just go on Amazon. Amazon Prime can be here today. I can have it right now. Like if I want to order, get a video game I want to play. Oh, I'll just download right. it. Like we did not know any of that. We had to deal with the pain of waiting for these things to come back in stock. I waited like. Three weeks to play Lion King on like, Nintendo. <laughs> sneaky good game. So, yeah, it's a horrible game. <laughs> it's not that's a good game. Fun. So is Aladdin. Have you played it recently?
2: Oh no, no, no. Have no. you played it recently? I have not. I have Aladdin on SNES right now. You come over yeah, and play Aladdin. I play it later. now. I don't think- Hey, you know what else? They won't realize that awkwardness what? of having to go up and go. Hey, when does the game come back? So then you have to sit. And there that's and That's when the it was due for- back, not necessarily when it was coming back.
0: When does this get returned? Yeah, not even – they might not even bring That's it back. That's true too. Because then you would have had – so you'd walk in. You'd walk in. You'd like have that like that pit in your stomach where you walk over and try to see like, okay, is the cartridge behind the box? And you'd walk up and you'd see and it's not back there and you're okay – Maybe I'll go check the
1: other... They right. Had like there was a separate- a, usually a stack on the on the side of the counter where you could just look at the spines and go, oh my God, yeah. they didn't even put it out yet. Uh-huh. And you'd ask, yeah. The, yeah, what a what an experience, man. <laughs> yeah. People, well, that was that was a thing. That was what people <laughs> did on Friday night. Like my parents or whoever, you'd load up in the car, you'd go yeah. to Blockbuster, you'd get some popcorn or some candy or whatever and you'd rent a movie or my parents would rent one and we'd rent one and then like watch it 12 times over the weekend. Nobody knows like... Has there been a movie that's come out recently? And I'm asking you guys, to the best of your recollection, that, like, everybody just knows. Like, there's movies that everybody has seen. But back in our time, everybody knew Tommy Boy. Everybody knew Black Sheep. Everybody knew Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Because yeah. everyone watched the same movies, and it was kind of in, the like, the public zeitgeist. When I mean, everybody saw Avengers and, and stuff like that, but you don't quote it constantly. It's not like that everybody, you can make a a little wink and a nod and get the same joke. I don't
0: know, man. I think there's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe, and then we're digging into culture now. Maybe there's just so much stuff out there anymore. There's so much content to where like, you don't have any one thing that catches everyone's eye because everyone's so different nowadays too. Everyone likes the tons of different things. So I think like you're lucky to get like 60% of an audience of population of the world to watch like one thing because there's just so much content going on You talk about streaming services and YouTube and everything like that. Like back then it was just like, what movie is playing? Okay. I'm going to go watch that movie or, you know, what TV show is hot at the time. It's just the amount of stuff we have at our readily available hand anymore is just, I don't know if it's just too much. I'm I'm sure there's gonna be a study years from now where like we got overstimulated, there's just too much, and we're all up, but still we'll see. (laughs) No doubt about it. But to your point about
1: there being so many different options, so many different aspects of entertainment. You, particularly under the WWE umbrella, have existed in NXT. You had a great deal of success there. You were NXT champion, North American champion. You had so many different memories and DIY, the tag team titles. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes you are brand new to the majority of the WWE universe. Yes. Unless somebody, which we acknowledge all the time, NXT is our most hardcore aspect of our fan base. They are the ones that watch everything. They're the ones that care. They salivate. They they are meticulous in what they like. But the majority of our crowd tunes in Monday nights or Friday nights, and they watch while they're doing X, Y, and Z, or they're watching with their family. They're watching with their kids. Why is Johnny Gargano now better prepared to be a WWE superstar on Monday Night Raw than you were just the best guy in the small, the biggest fish in the small pond of NXT.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned when I left that I was fulfilled with what I did in NXT. And I'm always that guy that's looking for the next mountain to climb. Here's the thing about me and my story. You know, it's very well on record. I did my tryout in WWE and I was told no. I was told there's no spot for me in NXT. And here we are some six years later and I took over that brand. I made that brand mine. I became the face of that brand after being told I couldn't do it. And I'm sure there's tons of people out there that are looking at me and saying, I am undersized. I have no charisma. What's his character? He looks like a janitor. Whatever they're saying now about me because there's people out there that have tons of opinions about Johnny Gargano and that's fine. But I promise you, I promise you today, you can tell me I am not going to do something. You can tell me I am not going to be something. And I'm going to do everything in my power to work my balls off to make that happen. Okay? I was put on this planet to be in that ring. You can watch any match I've had in NXT. Anything I've done, even the past 18 years in this sport. I leave my heart in that ring. I give my all every single time out. And I am undeniable. I make things happen. And I am a very relatable, very humble guy. But I know, I know in that ring what I can do. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to show everybody on Monday nights what Johnny Organo is truly all about. Because I promise you, I want you. Please, please doubt me. Please look down on me. I need it. I want it. It fuels me. Please give me what I want. Keep looking down on me. Keep doubting me. I'm going to make everything I want in this life come true. Because I'm going to work for it. I'm going to scratch. I'm going to claw. I'm going to fight for it. And I'm going to make it happen. That is why I'm prepared. Because right now, back then, I was just doing things for me. I was doing things for myself. But now I know I have a little six-month-year-old baby to work for, to fight for, to show him that if you want something in this life, you can make it happen. And I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make that happen. Can't argue at all. Very,
1: very well said. Well, now that you're you're obviously motivated. Very motivated. I, I, I took us I took us on our own little detour. Damn. I, Always motivated. Come on. I lit the fire inside Johnny Wrestling this morning. All right, well, uh, take us back to uh, several weeks back. We're in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, to the site of a very, very important special match to you. But Johnny Gargano returns to Monday Night Raw. You can see the emotion on your face in the moment. We could hear the trembling in your voice and the magnitude of that moment. But now that you have a chance to sort of look back, walk us through
0: that experience. So it, it happened very fast, the whole thing. And it was very fun to be able to literally keep a secret in a time period where. That doesn't happen. Everything leaks nowadays. Everything in wrestling leaks. And I remember when I was younger, I loved things during the Attitude Era where you'd be watching Nitro or you'd be watching Raw and someone would just show up and you'd be like, what the hell is going on? I can't believe they're here. Like the Dirt Sheets and things like that were around, but it also wasn't as prevalent as is today with the internet and whatnot. Uh, So I just wanted, that was the most important thing to me for this secret, for this return, was to make it a complete surprise. Obviously I could have came back two weeks prior in Cleveland, but everyone believed that everyone thought that was going to happen. Sure. That's probably why it didn't happen. Cause I was like, I don't want, I, it would have been great. I would love to come back in my hometown. I still haven't wrestled in that arena, which is mind blowing to me uh, outside of when I was Cedric Von Hausen, but that's a different character. That's a different universe. Uh, we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Put that, that back in the bag. Don't <laughs> so come out. Put that back in the bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to do that one. But like, it was really important for me to just keep this whole thing under as much as possible. And the fact we were able to do that, uh, the fact that I flew in, I flew into Buffalo and I was snuck across the border and, uh, Legally I, snuck I, across. I you just, just, you were concealed across was, the border. Yeah. snuck away.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta legally, that not snuck. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah not, snuck legally across the border. <laughs> we're not getting in trouble here. Uh, snuck across the border into Toronto and then, uh, I was in a room by myself for like eight hours. Uh, like, I, I, by I, when I say room, <laughs> I mean I was in like the Toronto Raptors locker room. <laughs> so not not a room, uh, a very big room. I walked in and I was like, uh, "Okay, like this is where I'm staying." They're like, "Yep," like you have the whole, literally the whole locker room with like the lounge and the the bathroom and everything. I was like, "Oh, this is what a yeah. wild, what a wild thing for me to be like." I was and uh, like. I don't know. Again, you can call this a little uh, a little fiery underdog in me too. Uh, a big part of me didn't want to come back in Cleveland. Because I know if I would have came back in Cleveland, we got an amazing reaction, but people would have been like, Oh, you know, he's this little kid from NXT and like he got the reaction because this is hometown, right? He got the reaction because this is hometown. No one knows who he is because he's from NXT. These indie kids, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So to come back in Toronto. In an arena, I think like sixteen thousand people might have been in that arena, and to come back, and it was really cool because a commercial break happened. We came back from commercial break, and then my music started playing, and the reaction was such a cool reaction to experience because it was like the music hit, and everyone was like, "Wait a minute, I that that's familiar. What is this?" And then my name came across the Tron. And everyone was like, wait a minute, what's going on right now? Like, what is happening? And then I walked out and everyone lost their minds. And then the Johnny Wrestling chance started and everyone was super fun to play with. And it was just like that. That, for me, is going to be one of the lasting memories for me is that gradual pop and that gradual reaction when people realized what was happening. And it was just really gratifying in the sense where if you're gone for nine months and I say I'm humble because I am like you could like I know it's weird to say you're humble because it sounds like you're not humble when you say you're humble but when I was gone for nine months and you're out of the spotlight there is a part of you that says like maybe you're going to be forgotten and I definitely was the most nervous I'd been all day because I'm like man what if no one cares like what if like there's no reaction like what if no one remembers who I am like maybe this maybe people are right and no one like NXT is just a small niche audience and no one like knows who I am anymore, like things like that. And then to have my music hit and to have me come out and get that reaction and the Johnny wrestling chance, fill that arena. Um, just, it was very gratifying and to stand in that ring and look around, it just felt like, all right, all right, now we're, now we're, now we're moving now, now we're, we're on the right path. And this is where I'm supposed to be. So it, it was just a, such a surreal moment but also such a, uh, an awesome thing to kind of stand there and take in and realize like, okay, they remember you. Let's get going now. Well,
1: I don't know if you know this about how tightly held the secret was regarding your return. Uh, we, the commentary team, had no actual definitive answers on anything. And as a matter of fact, on our truck sheets, is what we refer to them as the, the lineup as to what's scheduled to come in the show, it just said Austin Theory. So I am fully expecting to go into full cheerleader mode for Mr. Money in the Bank theory as I do every week, and I see your name come across the Tron. And if you'll notice... None of the three of us said a word.
0: We just let it, <laughs> free. it even Just better. let it happen. I agree. You guys you... laid out for it, which is awesome. Like when you laid out, like it, like it, because it, it, yeah. When you laid out, it let the crowd kind of play with itself too, because like you could just hear every reaction, and it was such. It made that moment so much better too. Yeah. I obviously because you guys had no idea what was going on too. I think only like four people in the building, four or five people in the building knew that I was there. Like no one knew, and that that was. It's just really cool because you think about you watch all these moments and you think like, "What it'd be cool if I was a part of one of those and to actually be a part of one of those little surprises." It, it's it's awesome to look back on.
1: Looking ahead, this coming Monday, you will make your in ring return as a member of WWE. What is going through your mind right now? Uh, about two days out.
0: Uh, hopefully, I remember how to do this. Uh- <laughs> Only that's a problem. I'm gonna be very honest with you. To be fair, and I so I. When I was gone, I hadn't stepped in a ring at all. I made it a point to not get in a ring. just because I wanted a complete mental break of all of this. I didn't want to think about wrestling. I didn't want to do wrestling. I didn't want to do any of that. I knew it'd be better for me in the long run to kind of step away that way. So up until maybe a few days before I came back in Toronto, I hadn't been in a ring when we found out again, I've read the word snuck. They snuck me into the performance center a few days before I came back in Toronto and I was able to get in the ring and roll around and move around a bit. And I've been doing that here and there, uh, every other week, every, every other day. But I will say it is amazing how quickly it comes back. It is very much like riding a bike. The minute I got in a ring and hit the ropes and, and rolled and things like that, I was like, okay, like, that's how you do this. I remember. But, to say I'm doing it in a uh, in a performance center compared to in an arena on Monday Night Raw, which is a fun little thing in itself. We've had happy accidents along the way to where my return was in Toronto, where me and Tommaso won the tag titles as DIY at TakeOver Toronto. Then my first match back is going to be in Portland, which is the site of TakeOver Portland, which was the last arena show, the last TakeOver arena show that I was a part of before the pandemic. So that was the last arena I wrestled in. Like literally, it was in Portland. <laughs> and my first match back is going to be in Portland. Both
1: moments. Corey Graves on commentary. Vic, I think I've just usurped you and as your place in Johnny's career. I'm just putting it out there. Just saying,
2: just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's it, if anyone could do it, Graves. I'm glad it's going to be you. I will say, I will say that. You know, you talk about these happy accidents. I look through the raw, you know, locker room, and you take a look at the raw roster. There's also guys that you have a lot of great stories with from NXT. One's Theory, who you've ran into, obviously. The other one, Tommaso Ciampa. You know, sitting at home, did you ever look at the TV and see what they were starting to do and get rolling? And you're like, wow, wait a minute. Maybe hey, this is the time. Like, did they ever play a part in your thinking?
0: Yeah, I said. Obviously, I watched everything. And it's really fun to watch my friends on TV and do cool things. Obviously, a few weeks before I came back, uh, Tommaso and Lashley had that United States championship match. And which was in Cleveland, <laughs> by the way, which was a whole big thing where people thought like, "Oh, Tommaso has a championship match in Cleveland, Ohio." Here comes Johnny, and instead of Johnny, you got Dexter, which is you got it my son-in-law. Yeah. Uh, technically, my son-in-law. So, it's I mean, family. you got you got family. <laughs> the family was represented there, well, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's awesome to be able to sit back and watch my friends uh, be successful, even like watching you, Vic, on uh, NXT, like. Like I said, I watch everything. I'm a wrestling nerd. I'm a wrestling fan. So there is that part of me that was able to sit back and watch that for the nine months. But as the months went on, I did feel that itch start to come back of like, okay, like maybe now is the time that I make my return. So
2: Johnny's busy right now because typically on Tuesdays, I'll get a text, say spicy meatball. Or say this, or say this. People don't know
0: that, have we ever... No, ever... we've
2: never talked about spicy. Graves definitely doesn't know spicy meatball.
0: So I, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, this is when we all first moved to Orlando. Correct. Or me and Tomaso were there already. Uh, you first moved to Orlando. I came two months later, or so. Yeah, you weren't traveling on the road yet. You would always come over because I it's very on record. So me and Candace got married. We moved to Orlando a month later and then Tommaso moved in with us. So the first really like, couple months like year maybe of our marriage, it was me, Candace, and Tommaso living together in an apartment in Orlando. Sounds like a sitcom. Yeah, it was basically a sitcom. Uh yeah. And then Vic moved to Orlando two months later. So he would always come over for Monday Night Raw, I believe, right? Raw and SmackDown. And SmackDown. Uh so we'd watch 205 Live. And then did we come up with the spicy meatball line li- live? Like we were all sitting yes. together when it came up. Right. Okay. So right. take that picture. I'll, I'll, I threw, I threw the ball up for you. So you, you can finish the story now. So he would sit there
2: and he would like, give us a home run call. give us a Corey Graves home run call. And I just yelled spicy meatball one time for no rhyme or reason. So then it just was spicy meatball, spicy meatball. And I just keep football Sundays, spicy meatball. And then I ended up going to the road with you on main event Graves. And he'd always say on 205 Live when I was doing that live, say spicy meatball. I gave it to him one time, a spicy meatball live, my last one. But it was when you moved out. Yes, and I got you a Jimmy Garoppolo reference, too, in on that last minute.
0: Oh, you did? So I would text Vic during 205 Live and and shows, and I'd be like, drop this reference, drop this reference, drop this reference. And mind-blowing to me that you're on your phone during a live broadcast, too. Unprofessional, by the way. <laughs> it's
2: not unprofessional. You should see the other things we do. And by the way, this Graves <laughs> is why I would tell you, hey, get digital, digital get down by in sync in. So I would do it to Graves in real time, and then he would do it on raw. So it all sends back to your bad influence.
0: So much so, you yelled spicy meatballs so much in that apartment. So much so that we got a note from the neighbor. You remember this? We got a note from oh, the yeah. neighbor saying like something. I don't know what the note was about. But the ending of the note said, P.S., what is a spicy meatball? So the neighbors were aware that this man would always come over on Mondays and Fridays. I am doubling down and-
1: on my sitcom suggestion. Maybe we can get Peacock involved. The wrestling family and with Vic Joseph playing the role of Kramer. Look, because let's that do is it. That's definitely exactly how I see you bursting in, into the Gargano <laughs> residence. Just come in all, all spaced out.
0: He's tall like Kramer. And we always left the door unlocked too, so he literally would burst through the door. That's real. I would burst through the door. That's,
2: that's a true story as well. Well, you know what? Before any more embarrassing stories get put out there, I want to say it's glad to have you home. It's glad to have you back in the WWE. I know it's something you have wanted to do. You are always welcome on After the Bell. Did I do that right, Grace? Nah, I'll give you like a, like a B plus. It was a B+. Plus. Cool. I'll take that.
0: Do you normally end the thing or does he normally end the thing? He usually
2: ends
1: He's the thing. He's showing off for you.
0: Okay. So you decided to decide. You decided yeah, 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 to do yeah. it. Okay. He you you was good.
1: Yeah, good job. Yeah, gotta gotta (laughs) let him spread his wings so I can kick him out of the nest and he can fly on his own one of these days. (laughs) All right, well, Johnny, we're glad you're back, man. Good luck this coming Monday on Raw. Good luck on everything coming your way. It is truly an exciting time to be
0: part of this business. Any final words for the ATB faithful? Keep watching, guys. We're just getting started. It's great to be home, great to be back, and uh, I'm excited to get to work. Well, we're excited to
1: watch you work. We're excited you were able to hang out with us this week, and make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Working the fans, find Johnny Gargano. You can find me at Johnny Gargano on all platforms. Make sure you are listening for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom or vitriol potentially a big baker mayfield celebration and more wwe oh no (laughs) after the bell
5: this episode is brought to you by hotels.com when i went on my last holiday to cape town it was amazing